Amen. You ready to get in the Word? Amen. If, if you've uh, been here the last several weeks, I've been talking about we overcome. We overcome. And this is based out of Re- Revelation chapter 12, where it talks about how, how the enemy, the accuser of our brethren, it says, it says they overcame him, the enemy, Satan, the God of this world. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame him. They overcame him. See, see, if you're gonna, if we're gonna succeed and walk victorious in this life, we have to know how to overcome in life. As a, as a believer, as a child of God, doesn't mean when you came into his kingdom, all of a sudden that you're gonna be exempt from attacks. Exempt, exempt from circumstances. Exempt from hard times. When you came into the kingdom of God, all of a sudden though, you, you came part of something to where you weren't on your own, that you were walking with someone now, that, that you're not alone in this life. Being a part of the kingdom doesn't mean that you're, you're exempt from trials or tribulation. It just knows that, that we have, we have someone with us, someone that's walking through this life with us. Amen. Greater is he that's in us, right? Than he that is in the world. We overcome. They overcame the accuser of the brethren. You know, you know, you know, the enemy, he doesn't fight fair. The enemy, he's the, he is the, the father of lies. He will always be the father of lies. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. And he's the accuser of the brethren. He's going to uh, accuse you to God. Like he did Job. He's going to accuse God to you. And he's going to get you to accuse God. You see, that's how he operates and that's how he works. And if we take the bait, so to speak, it will keep us in a place of defeat and it will keep us from rising and be victorious in life. We, they overcame him, the enemy, the accuser of her brother by the blood of the lamb. And we've been unpacking this. And what does that mean? The blood of the lamb. Do I just say the blood? Do I just speak the blood? Do I just, well, you can do those things, pleading the blood. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but more important is gaining a revelation of what the blood provided for each one of us. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. And I don't have time to go back and review the different things we talked about, but I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter two, and we're going to get into this this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Now, before I read this, I want to say this statement that's kind of been going on my heart each, each week. I've been saying this, that there's nothing more important than the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. Amen. Say that with me. There's nothing more important than the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. See, whatever you're facing right now, Whatever you're going through, depression you might be dealing with, attack you might be going through, is to keep his will from coming to pass in your life. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, I had great opportunities, great opportunities to reach great multitudes, but it was also with great adversity. Meaning I've had these great opportunities, but you know what? There's also great adversity. And that's what the enemy will try to do in your life is bring great adversity to keep you from walking in the great opportunities, right? Right. So no matter what you're dealing with, get that perspective. Remember, we talked about this last week, how in the second service, we talked about how, how when they were going to the other side and the storm of hurricane proportion came up and, and they, they, Jesus was in the back of the boat. They go wake Jesus up and they're like, master, 
Don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care that we perish? You see, what was happening? The accuser of the brethren was working in. They were accusing God of not caring. Don't you care that we perish? They weren't going to the other side to see what they were made of or what, what if their faith could test, um, you know, make the test. That wasn't, God doesn't test you with calamities and he, he will never test you with something you've been redeemed from. He's not going to test you with sickness. Why? Because he doesn't have it. He's not going to test you with drugs or alcohol. He doesn't have it. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when that storm came up to keep them from the other side, it was to keep them from setting a demon man possessed, demon possessed man free. See, the enemy didn't want them on the other side because if they got to the other side, 10 cities were going to be set free. So I want to ask you, what's on the other side of your obstacle today? What's on the other side of the depression you're walking in, the circumstances you've gone through, the loss that you've experienced? What's on the other side of it? We overcome by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. So let's look at this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 11. He says, wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ. So he says, remember this time when you, you, weren't, you were without circumcision. These, these are all covenant words. These are covenant words. These are words that represent covenant. And they're words that really in our natural mind don't really make sense to us. Because we don't understand covenant. In, in our Western our Western mindset. We, we don't understand um, uh, ancient customs. We don't understand tribal customs. We, we, we think we do, but, but the closest thing that we have in our society is, is marriage. That's the closest thing. And even that, we're limited in our understanding of the fullness of what a covenant between a man and woman are all about. And so he's telling them, remember when you were this way. And he goes, because you were that way, verse 12 says, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, meaning you were strangers to what the Jews had a right to. He goes, and you were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Remember when you were like that. When you were like that, you had no hope and you were without God in the world. But the very next verse says, but, but now, but now, see, we're not talking about what we used to be. Paul says, I want you to know what's going on right now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off were made near by the blood of Christ. Meaning right now, you used to not have access to this, used to not have any rights to this, but now because of the blood of Jesus, you have been brought near, brought near to what? You were far away from something, but you've been brought near to something. What were they far away from? They were strangers to the covenants of promise. They had no right. They were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel, meaning they couldn't partake of what God's people had a right to partake of. But they were brought near by the blood of Christ, brought near to what? They were brought near to the covenant. 
You see, when Jesus poured his blood out for you and I, he brought you into access to the kingdom of heaven. He brought you and the kingdom of heaven is who made a covenant. The kingdom of heaven is who made a covenant with mankind. So we were brought near by the blood of Christ. This morning I want to talk about covenant. The importance of covenant. We've been brought near. See, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Why do we overcome by the blood of the lamb? Because we've been brought into this covenant. Say covenant. Now, covenant. There's a lot of things I could talk a lot just about the ancient customs concerning that. But just briefly, what is a covenant? A covenant is when two or more parties come together and set themselves in agreement. Now, the covenant that scripture talks about is a covenant of weaknesses for strength and strength for weaknesses. Meaning tribes would come together and if this, if this one tribe was, was more athletic and this tribe, they were more business minded, then what happens, the two leaders from those tribes, and usually it was the man that was the most athletic and it was, or the man that was the greatest entrepreneur, they would come together and they would cut a covenant. So where this family, maybe this family, they were, they, this, this tribe were, were great with, with entrepreneurs. They were great business people, had great minds to make wealth. But yet they, they weren't good. They weren't good at battle. They weren't good at fighting. They weren't good athletes. So what happens is they would now make a covenant with the, with the tribe that was the greatest, the strongest, the most athletic. So now when they come together and cut covenant, the, the one tribe that was weak in that area is now no longer weak. Why? Because they made a covenant with a tribe that is a lot stronger. And where that tribe weren't good business people or weren't good with finances, now that leader comes in and where they are, where they are, where they are weak, now they become strong. And when they were both have, now they both have no weaknesses. See, that's what covenant does. It's when two parties come together. You know what? In, in ancient covenant, covenant, see, our mind of covenant, our mind of covenant is we do it until it's not convenient. You see that that's that's our idea in our Western culture is 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 I'm going to I'm going to have a covenant with my wife as long as she does what I say. You know, well, I'm going to only love him if he does this. And so in our mindset, covenant is only matter of 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 what you do for me. And when you do it for me, then I'll do it for you. But covenant is so much stronger than that. Covenant was a guarantee. What is a guarantee? It's, you know, um, you know, the old, old guy that would cook, Justin Wilson, I guarantee, you know, <laughs> you didn't watch cooking shows in the eighties. You don't know what I'm talking about. But the, the whole point is it's, it's assurance. It's mean you can take it to the bank. It's, it's, this is, this is something that is going to happen. It's something that, that, that is, it, it is what it is and it's nothing else. And so covenant between two parties was a guarantee of three things. It was a guarantee of relationship. Meaning they never had to doubt whether that other party would be there for them or not. They never had to question it. 
I, I, I never want to never want to question whether she's going to be there for me. And I never want her to have to question if I'm going to be there for her. Covenant. It's guaranteed relationship. It's guaranteed strength. And it's guaranteed support. That's what covenant is. So we were brought near to this guaranteed relationship. If you leave further down in Ephesians 2, 2, it talks about that we are citizens. Amen. We're citizens. we're, We're citizens of this family. This guaranteed relationship, this guaranteed strength, this guaranteed support. You see, but we have to understand about covenant is covenant is only as strong as the loyalty of the people that make it. You mean you can have covenant. I I can make a covenant with Joseph, but yet if I doubt his loyalty, then I won't have assurance in that loyalty. And that's what the enemy will always try to do. He's always going to try to come against God's loyalty. You see, if we, we, if we, we can see God's loyalty and we can see his love, his love and his loyalty. When we look at how God dealt with mankind, when man fell. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. I'm just going to teach this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's right before Esther. Thank you, Father. Now look at Nehemiah chapter 9. Let's look at verse 17. Now before I read this, the, the, the Bible is a book of covenants. You know, we have a New Testament, we have an Old Testament, right? We understand new, new covenant, we have an Old Covenant. Now we know in the scriptures there was an Abraham, there was a, there was a covenant made with Adam. There was a covenant made with, with Noah. There was a covenant made with Abraham. There was a priestly covenant. There was a Davidic covenant. I mean, there was a covenant made with David. And, and we know that, that that covenant will ultimately together because they said someone from the throne of David would always sit on the throne. And we know that Jesus was the seed, right? So, so I could go on and, and share that. But I want you to see this, that, that this is a book of covenants. And so God had made a covenant with, with Adam and Eve at the very beginning. And the moment when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God did something immediately. See, if we look at what God did, soon as something happened, then we can see his loyalty and we can see what he does in circumstances and situations. So, so see, with the enemy is who caused man to fall, not God. But yet, even in the midst of them falling, God steps in and he says in Genesis three, he says he speaks to the serpent and says, there's he goes, I come against you. You'll crawl on the, your bus, uh, your, um, your belly all the days of your life. And he told me that one's going to come and you're going to bruise his head. You're going to bruise his heel and he's going to you're going to bruise his you're going to bruise his head. And so it was saying there's one coming that's going to turn this around. What happened? Covenant. God made a covenant. And so what did, what did covenant do? It stepped in because he's loyal and because he loves, he stepped in to do something about it. Now we can see all through, through, that's why I'm bringing Nehemiah out here because he deals with things that happen in Abraham's time, 
Moses' time. He talks about things that happened after, after they were already in the promised land. But I want you to see the nature in the heart of God here. In Nehemiah chapter 9, hallelujah, verse 17, it says, They refused to obey, nor were they mindful of your wonders and miracles, which you did among them, but they stiffened their necks in the rebellion, appointed a captain that they might return to their bondage in Egypt. Now get this, but you, say but you. Now get it, but you are a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a molten calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt and had committed great and contemptible blasphemies. Verse 19, you in your great mercy forsook not, forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud departed not from them by day or led them in the way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light the way that they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and withheld not your manna from them and gave water for, for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them. This, this is all covenant. This is God said, even though they did this, you still sustain them. Even though they did this, you sent your spirit to guide them. Even though they rebelled against you, he still did this. Even though he did this is what he did. Even though they brought accusations against you, he, you were still merciful to them. You still showed them mercy. Verse 22 says, and also you gave them kingdoms and people. Hallelujah. 20, verse 23, their children you also multiplied. You told their fathers they should go in and possess the land. Verse 24, uh, you subdued before them inhabitants of the land and gave them their lands. Verse 25, and they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of good things. Meaning they took possessions of houses they didn't build and they were filled with good things. Wow. Verse 26. Verse, uh, yeah, verse, it says, verse, end of 25 says, so they ate and were filled and they became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. They delighted in his great goodness. Verse 26, yet they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who accused you and warned them to turn to you again. <laughs> end of verse 27 says, you heard them from heaven and according to your abundant mercy, you gave them deliverers because of your abundant mercy. You gave them deliverers. You sent them people that would set them free. Wow. According to your mercies, according to your mercies, verse 29 and reproved and warned them that you might bring them again to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not heed your commandments. Verse 30 yet. You bore with them many years more and reproved and warned them by your spirit through your prophets. Still, they would not listen. Verse 31, yet in your great mercy, yet in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them or forsake them for you are gracious and a merciful God. Wow. Even though they did this, even though they said that, even though they felt this, yet God still showed himself merciful. Full of mercy. Full of mercy. Why? He was showing himself loyal, even though his people were not loyal. Why? Because God 
made a covenant. God made a covenant. And I can show you so many places. It says, he, Psalms 89 says, he will not alter his covenant. He will not alter the thing that has gone out of his mouth. He is not man that he would change his mind. Or the, he, he is not man that he would change or the son of man that he would lie. Why? Because, because covenant is based in loyalty. Let's go to Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Thank you, Father. Psalms 103. His mercy. Say he's merciful. He's merciful. That's a deep revelation of that definition. He's full of mercy. He's merciful. He's full of mercy. Full of mercy. Now here in verse 1, you can put this up on the screen, Rihanna. Let's read this together. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Next verse. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Stop right there. Again, bless the Lord. Go back to the first verse again. Bless the Lord. You see, when, when David said, bless the Lord here, it wasn't just this, our idea of the scripture, you know, well, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that's within me and forget not his benefits. Now, yeah, it is that, but David's saying something much deeper because you have to understand you're dealing with a group of people that understood covenant. Now, when he uses that word Lord there is different than just Lord. Now, just for the sake of hermeneutics and defining scripture and teaching this morning, that word Lord, because it's a capital L, it's a capital O, R, and D that's smaller than the L, it means he's talking about Jehovah. Now, if it was a, a, a big L and all lowercase O-R-D, it would be talking about Adonai. It would be talking about Father. But he uses Jehovah here. Bless the Lord. You, you know, what's so significant about that? Well, up until Exodus chapter six, he said, he goes, he goes, Moses, he goes, they all knew me. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as God almighty. But unto you, Moses, I'm going to reveal myself to you as Jehovah. See, up till Abraham, Isaac just knew him as the all powerful God almighty, El Shaddai, the creator. But he says, but unto you, I'm going to show myself as Jehovah. What did that mean? Jehovah was not just a God that's all powerful, but Jehovah is a God that's all powerful, but the desire is to get involved with man. You see, that's why he, Jehovah Jireh. See, God doesn't need to provide for himself. He's already provided for. So when he's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, our provider, it means it's his desire to get involved in our lives. If he's Jehovah Rapha, then he is the Lord that healeth thee. It's a desire to get involved in, in our physical lives. If he's Jehovah Rohi, he's our shepherd, and it's his desire to get involved in direction for our lives, because he's a shepherd. So when he said, bless the Lord, all my soul, he's talking about covenant. He's, he's bringing up a, a covenant name. A covenant name. This is Jehovah. Bless the Lord, all my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
You see, when you are in covenant with someone, you are now a partaker of the benefits of that covenant. Because where you're weak, they're now strong. You know what? And you and I didn't bring anything to the table. He swore by no one greater. So he, 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 he swore against himself. And Jesus was that mediator of that covenant, of that new covenant. Hallelujah. You see, bless the Lord all my soul and forget not all his benefits. Next verse. What? Who forgiveth? Meaning, meaning this, this, this one that David's in covenant with does something. He, there's benefits to being in this relationship. He does something. What does he do? He forgives all thy iniquities. What does he do? Who heals all thy diseases. Next verse. Who redeems thy life from destruction? Who crowns thee with love and kindness and tender mercies? You can stop there. Who redeems your life from destruction? See, when mankind fell, when Adam fell, there was something written across humanity and it was condemned. It was no good. It was worthless. It was death. But yet he redeemed us. This covenant keeping God redeemed humanity, redeemed us from destruction. And then it says he crowneth, crowneth thee with love and kindness and tender mercy. Crowneth thee. Now, now I'm not saying crowneth because, because I want to sound Elizabethan or because it's King James. Because this word crowneth here, when you put TH on the end of the word, it now makes that word perpetual. It makes that word continual. So it's not just to sound like you're, you're King James, but it, it lets me know that this isn't a one-time thing, but it's a continual thing. So when David is saying, bless the Lord, all my soul, bless the one that I'm in covenant with and he's in covenant with me. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that's within me. You know what? And because I'm in covenant, I'm not going to forget the benefits of that covenant. Hallelujah. You would go to battle for me. You would fight for me. You would meet our needs. You would multiply our seed greatly. You would, you would give us goodly houses that, that everything that you declared unto Abraham and that blessing would now be a part of my life. I will not forget those benefits. Hallelujah. You redeem me from destruction and you, you surround me with tender mercies, loving kindness and tender mercies. Now, this is, now this tender mercy, this love and kindness. It's not just mercy in the way that we, in our natural mind, think of mercy. This word mercy and loving kindness in the Hebrew is a word hasid. And, and it's really, there's not any English definitions that we can really give meaning to it. But it's the God kind of love and kindness. It's the equivalent in the New Testament, the Greek, to agape. It's just the God kind. We, we can't really describe, we can't put it into enough words to explain it. All we can say, it's the God kind. Agape is the God kind of love. And, and this, he, he crowns you. What is crowneth? Means surround about, meaning he continually surrounds you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Whatever you're at this morning, whatever you're going through, no matter the pressures of your mind, the hurt in your heart, the disappointments you've experienced, whatever it is, I want you to know that he's there surrounding you with his tender mercy today. He's surrounding you with his tender mercy today. He's surrounding, even though you don't feel like it, even though you, 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 you think that you've been a disappointment and other people have been disappointment, I want you to understand that he's there today surrounding you with his love and kindness and his tender mercy. 
You know, it's this love and kindness and tender mercy or agape, this God kind of love. It's not a, a love that is just thoughts and feelings. See, we live in a society that are so into our thoughts and our feelings. Tell me how you feel. It's okay to talk about your feelings. Just the issue is, is, is we allow our society is controlled by feelings. Our society is controlled by emotions, controlled by the controlled by things. But yet this kind of love, it's not thoughts and feelings because that's our idea of love. Like, Oh, Annette, I sure do love you. See, there comes a time when she's going to be like, show me the money. Not, not really money physically, but she's not that way. But the point is, is I, I want to stop hearing it and I want to see it. So, so the thing is, is, is with this kind of love that he crowns us with, it's not just words, but it's not this God kind of love, this God kind of mercy or this God kind of love, this covenanted love, this covenanted loyalty isn't really that kind of love, unless there is a action, unless there is something done. See, we can, we can see his loyalty by how he responded to the fall of man. He redeemed us from destruction. He crowns us with love and kindness. Bringing this over into the New Testament, John chapter 3, 16. What for God so loved the world. See, it wasn't just, it wasn't like Joseph. I sure love the world, but man, they're in trouble. It was a so overwhelming force of love that it has to respond. You see, sympathy is I feel sorry for, I, I love you, but I don't do anything to lift the burden. But yet compassion is a love that can't help but respond to the hurt. So when we, we think about this, this love, God kind of love, when he said, for God so loved the world, meaning he was compelled because of covenant. He was compelled because of covenant. He was compelled because of covenant. Remember, you were at that time, you were aliens, the strangers of the covenants of promise, but you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were brought near into this relationship, into this covenant. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. See, this is covenant. He sent his son to cut, cut a covenant. And Jesus was not only the high priest, but he was also the sacrifice. And he made this covenant so we could now be a partaker of this same. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. This love, this love, this love is so beyond just our natural concept of love. Go to first John chapter four. Now, remember covenant is a guaranteed relationship. It's a guaranteed strength. And it's a guaranteed support. Say strength. The enemy is out to steal your strength. 
Hallelujah. The accuser of the brethren comes to steal your strength. Fear. Accusate fear. Fear is one of the biggest things that the enemy uses to control people. You know, if you really boil down most things that people say what they're going through, if you really break it down to the root is fear. Well, why are you upset about that? Well, because, because I don't want to be alone. Well, that means you're a fe- there's a fear there. Well, why are you, because, because, and, and it's, there's some sort of fear there. First John chapter four, verse 13 says, hereby know we that we, we that, (laughs) thank you. We, (laughs) thank you, father. I can read hereby know we that we, that's kind of like a tongue dwell in him and he in us because he hath given to us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son To be the savior of the world. Now why did he send the son? Because he so loved the world. Right? And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Verse 15. Whosoever should confess that Jesus is the son of God. God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. We have known and believed. Say known Known. and believed. believed. See, a lot of times people would just think that it's just strictly at belief. But just believe, if I just believe in God. Well, I mean, James says, he said, even the demons believe in God. So even Satan believes in God. So believe in what? Known and believed. Known and believed what? What's it say? Known and believed. The love. It's not just, just believing the love. It's known and believed. So, so this known is experience. If you know something, it's because you have experience of something. So it, it's not just a belief. But it's a known and believe. The love of God hath to us. God is love. God is love. It's not what he has. It's who he is. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Now get this. Herein is our love made perfect. Now that's not blameless, but it means this. Herein is our love fully developed. Love fully developed. Herein is our love fully developed that we may have boldness. Now get this, when your love is fully developed, it produces a boldness in your life, right? What do you need to overcome fear? Boldness. So here, if I look herein is our love made perfect. So this is how I can tell my love is fully developed is that I have boldness. Amen. I have boldness. You say, I have faith in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Now, there's no fear in love. But fully developed love casts out fear. 
What I mean, we need to come to a place where we understand about this covenant is God's love, his loyalty and his love made available to you and I as believers. And here it says this love, perfect love, fully developed love casts out fear. Now, let's take it for just muscles for a moment. If, if, you were, if you were lifting weights and when you first start, you can only lift a certain amount. Why? Because your muscles are only developed to a certain, a certain place, right? But as you start lifting muscles, as you start tr- weight training, as you start gaining muscle, then what happens is you can lift more than you could lift before. So, so maybe there could have been something that I couldn't have lifted before, but now that I lift more, then I, my muscles are fully developed, then I can lift what I couldn't lift before. So it's the same thing. When your love, when love is fully developed, when love comes to full maturity, what does it do? It gets rid of fear. See, fear wants to control you, but when you meditate on the love of God and you become perfected in that love, it doesn't matter what's coming against you. You, because of that love, you cast out fear. You tell fear where to go. You tell fear where to get. Because see, the enemy is going to come in with the attacks. But as you meditate on the love of God, it causes you to be fully developed in love. And when you become fully developed in love, you can cast out fear. You control fear and fear doesn't control you. So the most important thing, right, is the will of God to be accomplished in the earth. So if we're going to fulfill this will, we need to become perfected in this love. You need to know how much God loves you. You say, well, what about this and why that and why this happened? Well, it's the accuser of the brethren. You have to come back and meditate on the covenant, this loyalty, this love. Let's go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Perfected in love, cast out fear. Fully matured in love, you cast out fear. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to see this. And his mercy. His mercy is outstretched towards you right now. His love and kindness is outstretched towards you right now. Hallelujah. Remember, covenant is a guaranteed relationship, a guaranteed support, and a guaranteed strength. Now let's look at this in connection with love. Verse 14 of Ephesians 3. For this cause, I bow my knee under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, what's he? That you would be strengthened with might. You know, I pray this, this, prayer, this scripture often for you. I, that you would be strengthened with might. Remember, what, what does love do? Fully perfected, fully developed love casts out fear. Let's just say here, it, it says that you would be strengthened with all might. That you'd be strengthened with all might in your inner man. Strengthened with all might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Where is the strength going to come from? You being rooted and grounded in love. See, this is covenant. If, if this, this guaranteed strength is going to be have to be built upon this amazing love for the love that he has for you. This amazing love that he has for you. 
that you would be strengthened with might in your inner man. Man, there's a lot of difficult things that we can face in life. I've been there. I've been hurt. I've been broken, been addicted. But if you need strength today, how is that strength going to come? When you're rooted and grounded in love. Where his love becomes so real to you. His love becomes such a force in your life. His love becomes such a force and such a strength to you. See, that you would be strengthened with all might in your inner man. How is your inner man going to get strong? When you, when you are strengthened with might, when you're rooted and grounded in love. And what does he say here? Verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is comprehend? That you might understand. I want you to understand how much he loves you today. How much, how much he cares for you today. No matter how people might have done you wrong, he still has a plan for your life. No matter what disappointment you've gone through, what you're facing, I want you to know that his love is outstretched towards you today. And his love is real. And his love on the inside of you will bring a strength to your heart, strength to your mind. When you have, and it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, what you're facing. And you'll say, you might say, Pastor Justin, well, you don't know what I've gone through. <laughs> you don't know what I've gone through. But it's grounded in this love, rooted and grounded in this love that you may be able to understand, comprehend and know how with all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the depth and the height that you would know the length, the depth and the height. Man. And we need to spend time just meditating on the love of God. Spend time meditating on the love of God. You know, I remember this situation. I, someone I was close to went, went through a, an issue and they passed away. And I remember when they went through it and they came out of it. I went and, went and talked to them. And they were on the mend and things were getting better and, and so forth. And I, I remember talking to them. And I, in my heart, I was so hurt for them because, because I'm, I'm setting myself in agreement but yet I'm trying to talk to them about the love of God. I'm trying to talk to her about the love of God. And all she could focus on and meditate on is how come this happened to her? How come this happened? How come this happened? How come this happened? Why this happened to me? I do this every day. I read the word every day. I confess the word every day. I say this every day. I do that every day. I do this every day. I do this every day. I do that every day. And her, her faith had come, come down to works that she was doing instead of realizing John, in John chapter five, Jesus said, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have life of them. But what they do is they testify of me. Meaning it wasn't, and so what she couldn't get grasp is, is, is she was focused on how come this happened instead of bringing herself into the place of how much God loves me. You know, there's times where I face difficult things and, and, and question God, why did that happen? Why am I going through this? And why did that happen? Why do they do, do that to me? Why did this happen? And he, and, and I'd say, and the Lord would say, Justin, meditate on my love for you. See, to the degree that you know my love is the degree of faith you can walk in. And we often try to live by faith apart from a revelation of the love of God. Wherever you're at today. How long you've been serving God. 
Never treat the love of God as a message or a sermon. The love of God is not a message or a servant. It's, it's him. And he says, I want you to be grounded, grounded. If things come from my, my mind when, when I'm standing for something or things attack us as a family, you know, the first thing I have to do, the, well, the Holy Spirit reminds me is go back and meditate on love. Meditate on my love. Meditate on my love. Meditate on my love. Meditate on my love. Get grounded in this love. Because often I'll be trying to release faith and speak faith and speak to that and say to this and do that. And the Lord says, before you speak something, know that love is what backs what you say. But if you're not grounded in this love, man, grounded in this love, grounded in this love, that you'd be rooted and grounded in this love. And I love the next verse. It says that you might be filled and that you would know the love of Christ. Rooted and grounded in love, the lengths, the depths, and the heights of it. What? And to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. You can't figure it out. You, you, if, if, you, if you tell me, I just know the love of God inside and out, and I'll be like, really? Because here it says it passes knowledge. Meaning once you, once you discover God to a certain extent, there's still more. Once you get to know him this far, there's still some more. You get to know in this much. Hey, there's still some more. There's still some more. There's still some more. There's still some more to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. And it says when this happened, that I might be filled, filled, filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Hallelujah. So it's a revelation of this love, this covenant love that will cause me to be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, I want you To see the fullness of God in me. And I want to see the fullness of God in you. But how's it happen? Rooted and grounded in love. We started in Ephesians 2. Let's go back to Ephesians 2. And I'll close with this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You're in covenant with heaven. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're in covenant with heaven. And he wants to restore your life. Restore, restore, restore. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Says, but God who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. Has he quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And hath raised up. uh, Raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. We overcome. By the blood of the lamb. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. See the blood of the lamb. Is what put me here. The blood of the lamb is what gave me a covenant. The blood of the lamb. Is what brought me near. The blood of the lamb is what caused me to be raised up together and made me sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, now get this. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come. 
Now get, I'm in, in the ages to come. Get a hold of this because I was, I, I was out running the other day and the Lord spoke this scripture to me. Man, and I ran faster. <laughs> I, oh man. Now get, in the ages to come. Now we're seated with him in heavenly place. In the ages to come. That in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. In the ages to come, we're seated with him. But I'm telling you, the discovery of his mercy is forever. See, in the ages to come, in the ages to come, he might show, reveal, Make known the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. That word kindness there is mercy in his mercy towards us through Christ Jesus in the ages to come. We are going to forever come to know his love. We are forever for the ages to come. He is going to constantly reveal his love for you. See, we don't overcome in our own strength. We're not overcoming in our own ability. We're overcoming because we have covenant. Amen. And whatever you're facing today, you will get to the other side of it. Why? Because of covenant. You walk, walk through it because of covenant. Father, we thank you for that covenant today. And we stand in that covenant today. We stand and rest in that covenant today. Thank you, Father, that you are constantly revealing your love for us. You're constantly revealing and making known your love for us. Thank you, Father. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we stand here today. As children of God, we stand here today in the love of God. And Father, I thank you that today as a body, I thank you that we are strengthened with all might in our inner man. And I thank you, Father, that you continue to unfold to us your love, this covenanted love that you are with us. In our struggle. You're with us in our pain. You are with us in our hurt. And you strengthen us. I thank you for guaranteed strength today. Guaranteed relationship. And guaranteed support. If you're here today and say, Pastor Justin, I I really question God's love for me. I question his love for me. I I question that he cares for me. I question that he has a plan for my life. I question. So with heads bowed, lift your hand if that's you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. See that hand? That hand. Thank you, Father. You see, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't clean ourselves up. We just bring ourselves to the foot of the cross.
his blood that was shed for you was for your forgiveness. The blood, the blood. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. Throughout the New Testament, we can see that we're forgiven by the blood. That we're justified by the blood. Word says we're sanctified by the blood. Word says we're made righteous by the blood. The word says that we have an internal inheritance because of the blood. If you're here today and you question that love in any way. The word says, how do we know that we're children of God? The word says when our spirit bears witness with our, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So so sometimes it comes down to just a knowing on the inside of you that you're loved. Your salvation isn't a mental exercise, but it's a freedom of the heart. And so if you're here in any way today and and you say, Pastor Justin, I want to know this love. I I remember being on uh, downtown off Lancaster um, ministering to some people and I was met this one young gentleman. His name was Loomis and I met him and he was he was he was drunk at the time. He had a 40 in his hand and and we're talking. And so I talked to him about I was talking to him about Jesus. And, and uh, he said, what is this Jesus? I heard about Jesus. I grew up in Jesus. But how do I know Jesus is real? I said, can I pray for you? He kind of questioned and, and looked at me and he was like, prayer? Yeah, because my, my mama did that. But it's, it's, I, I've never really sensed anything real in it. And, and, uh, and, you know, I just seen religion. I've seen so much hypocrisy. I've seen so many different things. And, and, and yet... And I said, I said, would you give me the opportunity? I said, I'm not going to ask you to pray for me. I said, but if I pray for you and you sent something different, will you believe? I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I just actually just lightly put my hand on his shoulder. And all I said was make your love real to him today, right now. Man, the love of God just, I mean, I, I looked up and he's bawling. I get done praying and he's like, what, what'd you do to me? What, what'd you do to me? What, what'd you do to me? He's back. What'd you do to me? He's looking at the 40 like this in a bag. He's like, what'd you do to me? I said, I said, that was God loving on you. That was God loving on you. Now we don't have to feel his presence. It's not about feeling. But I just sensed in my heart, there may be some here today that I just need, I I want his love made real to me today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If that's you, just come to the altar. You can leave the podium there, Tony. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I'm just following my heart. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Man, his love made real to you. He wants to wrap his arms around you. You know, I really believe this word. This is not a religious thing for me. This, I believe it. 
I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe he wants to meet you right where, right where you are today. And, and, and as he meets you, he wants to strengthen you from the inside out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for your love. Your love flowing in this place today. That your love would be made real in this place today. That your love would quicken every heart. Would strengthen every heart. That we'd be rooted and grounded in this love. That we would know that you, Father, that you have loved us from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not a stranger. You're not a stranger. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're, you're not, you don't have to struggle to get back into his kingdom. You don't have to struggle to feel like you got to be worthy enough. All you do is just say, I received the sacrifice because it was enough. mercy is there. His mercy is there to hold you. His mercy is there to comfort you. His mercy is there to wrap his arms around you. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Just place your hands on the person on your left, your right. Just on their shoulders or whatever. Take hands, whatever you're comfortable with. Jojo, I want you to come here. Hallelujah. Jojo's been my point of contact. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I thank you that we are your body. Where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst of us. There you are, and you are love. You are in the midst of us. So, Father, I just thank you for every person here would know your love. Your spirit, your love and kindness, your tender mercy. Oh, thank you, Father, that your love would be made known to every person here. Where there's questions concerns, hurts, offense, unforgiveness. I thank you that the love of God come in and just consume everything. Lord, you are a consuming fire. So burn away. Burn away. Burn away the things that don't belong. Burn away the things that aren't profitable. Burn away the thoughts that question your love. The things that say, that cause me to accuse. Because all right, when that happens, it just puts me in greater bondage. So, so I release it today. I release it today. I'm overwhelmed by your love today, Father. I'm consumed by your love today. This love, this loyalty that's been outstretched, this love that, <laughs> this love that caused, caused Jesus to manifest and brought healing and brought restoration. Thank you for love. I thank you for miracles, miracles, miracles manifesting in the presence of love. Ma- miracles manifesting in love. Hallelujah. Hearts being returned to turning to God in this love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you that, that, your vo- that they hear your voice in the presence of this love. I thank you that they're quickened and made alive because of this love.
as we have a revelation of this love. I thank you for great victory. Great victory. I declare great victories over this house. Over every person. Oh, you're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. We're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why are we strong? Because of his love. We're grounded in his love. We're grounded in love. We're grounded. Our love is perfected. And our love comes to full maturity. We cast out fear. Fear, you no longer control us. Fear, you no longer control me. Fear, you will no longer hinder my destiny. Fear, you will no longer keep me bound. Fear, you will no longer keep me from stepping out. Fear, you will no longer cause me feeling rejected or alone. Fear, fear, you will no longer torment me. Fear, fear, you will no longer tear me mentally. Torment. I will no longer be torn mentally. But perfect love, fully developed love casts out fear. Fear, you can go to hell. Fear, get out of here. Fear, you will not control my destiny. Fear and shame and guilt, you no longer, you no longer control me. Hallelujah, because I'm grounded in love. I'm grounded in love. I'm grounded in love. I'm grounded in love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. I spoke this to somebody this week, and I know it can be a cliche or it can be a, a statement, but if you receive the reality of it, failure is an event is not a person failure is not a person it's an event Thank you, Father.